0: I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Last week, Europe's far-right identitarian movement was back in the headlines. Identitarians call themselves pro-white and anti-immigrant, and they're active in a lot of European countries. And now, they're formally labeled an extremist movement, at least in Germany. Intelligence officials there made that announcement last week. Around the same time, in France, three members of Generation Identity learned they're facing prison time. That's one of the identitarian movement's founding groups. The men were arrested last year for using trucks and drones to block a road used by migrants trying to enter France from Italy. So, we wanted to revisit an Al Jazeera investigation into Generation Identity and the identitarian movement. It lasted a year, it involved some pretty wild secret recordings, and it uncovered links between the group and France's right-wing National Rally Party, headed by Marine Le Pen. Back in December, the Takes Mtiaz Tayyip sat down with David Harrison, the journalist who ran the investigation, to talk about what they uncovered.
1: What we were particularly interested in was the rise of the far-right, these groups on the fringe, who are not part of mainstream political parties but have a sort of growing influence in France and growing membership. And the second part was really the interface between uh, these groups and the mainstream National Front or National Rally Party. What What was actually going on? What was the relationship between these groups? we actually, um, we started this because um, Marine Le Pen was very successful in the early rounds of the presidential elections, and if you remember, she got to the final runoff with Emmanuel Macron, and she won, I think it was 10 million votes or something. Now, that's a huge number of votes in, in, in any country, and certainly in, in France. So it shows there is a huge groundswell of, of support for her. After the, the, the parliamentary elections, in which they didn't do as well as many had thought they would after her success in the, uh, relative success in the presidential election, she had a sort of clean-out, and she kicked out anybody who'd been accused of or had shown, behaved in a way that could be described as racist, violent or anti-Semitic. So she was out to clean up the party, polish its image, attract more middle of the road voters. So we're looking at the National Front, where it is, what its policies are. And secondly, this group, we identified one called Generation Identity, which uh, espouses uh, um, views that are much further to the right. Now, generation identity was founded about five, six years ago in France and has since spread to several countries: Austria, Italy, UK, Germany. Uh, but its home, its heart, is very much in France. Now, it's. Influence is, is is growing. Their membership is, is growing fast. They've staged various sort of high-level publicity stunts, so they're getting headlines, um, and they produced for the, the elections last year, they produced a 30-page document in which they outlined their key policies. And at the heart of this was what they call remigration, which is this idea to, to send back immigrants to their countries or the countries of their ancestors. <laughs> We thought if we could get inside that organization, that would be a great way of exposing them and also establishing exactly what their links were with the National Front.
2: How do you investigate a far-right group which is advocating for something called remigration, which is essentially sending millions of people back to countries like Morocco or Tunisia? How do you do an investigation on a group who may not necessarily want to talk to journalists, certainly not to journalists belonging to a news
1: organization called Al Jazeera. What we decided, we knew that we had to get somebody on the inside. So we, 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 we searched high and low, and we eventually found somebody who fitted the bill, was willing to do it, capable of doing it, because it's a tough old thing to blend in. To film secretly and to do it over, he did it for a period of six months. I mean, the investigation overall was about a year, but the the infiltration, the undercover um, uh, investigation into generation identity was six months. We found someone who did it. Tell us about him. Who, who is he? Well, I can't obviously can't identify him because he, he's going to be a, a, a sought after man um, when when the documentary comes out, and he's currently under protection. Um, He's a young man um, who was willing to do this for us and um, I I can't really say much about him obviously because we don't want to identify him in any way.
2: You've called him Louis uh, in the film uh, and we see some grainy footage, a lot of it happens to be in bars, (laughs) a lot of sitting around drinking and chain smoking. Tell us a little bit about uh, what sort of material you started seeing coming in from Louis as he got closer and closer to these people who were part of this group.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned the bar because, in fact, the, the bar called the Citadel in Lille is the headquarters of Generation Identity's Flanders branch. So that is the, it's the key hub. It's where they hold meetings. They discuss politics, discuss strategy. Uh, so Louis managed to get in. He was accepted, um, was a regular at the Citadel. And he filmed, he filmed all sorts of things. He filmed conversations that took place inside the Citadel. Uh, he went out with them onto the street, into other bars. He filmed uh, in bars where other activists were bragging about how they would beat up other, usually Arabic youths, Arab-speaking youths, um, you know, carrying out racist attacks um he filmed them also talking about how they one activist who went to uh, went to germany and bragged about how he was siegheiling in the streets and 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 uh daubing swastikas in bars siegheiling the nazi salute yeah giving the nazi salute um and and insulting arabs and making sort of you know, racial slurs who's part of the gi uh we meet a lot of men um of a certain age sort of you know.
2: 20s, 30s, that sort of thing. Uh, But we also meet a woman in this film as well. Describe to
1: me who is part of the GI and, and is there a spectrum here? It is predominantly a youth movement. Um, and what's, again, interesting and rather curious in, is that in France, it's it's gathering momentum among young people, people in their 20s and 30s. And you see the, the young woman that you refer to there, Claude Yalmoni. She she discusses the, the, the ideology of the group and she talks about how it, their aim is to get into the National Front and influence National Front policy. Let's
2: talk about the National Front. Marine Le Pen, very close to being president. Uh, millions and millions of votes. Walk us through when it comes to policy and philosophy. What does this far-right group, the GI, have in common with the National Front Party?
1: Well, I think they, they all agree that there's something called French culture and, and French identity. Well, in fact, more broadly, they see it as a European identity. And they are convinced that that identity is white, essentially white, and Christian. Um, And and this is shared by across the the spectrum of the right. Where they they differ is the more extreme elements want more extreme measures to establish that. I want to play a little bit of tape from the doc, uh,
2: from your investigation. It's a pretty shocking bit. Let's listen. Uh, And David, you can tell us what we're hearing here.
1: What we've got to hear is, is, is a group of, of the far-right activists who are out on the town out for a night out in, in, in Lille. and they're outside of bar in, in the main kind of party area of the city and um, a couple of young girls get into a, an argument with them. These are big guys and here they are uh, in an argument with you know young teenage women. And they're throwing out insults about Mecca and Islam and uh, just uh, uh, abusing them generally verbally. And then one of them, and he's a chap called Remy Faliz, who we see a lot at the Citadel and is close to the guy who, who leads the uh, GI group in, um, in Lille. And he suddenly starts to punch the girl on the head several times. Um, and it's, it's just quite an extraordinary scene. And it just shows there's a kind of gratuitous violence here and a, and a contempt uh, for people who are just a little bit different from them. How, how dangerous are they? Well, we filmed attacks on the street. We hear them talking about uh, the, the, their manifesto, manifesto says that uh, this is a, it's a declaration of war. They are at war with Muslims and, and, and uh, fighting against mass immigration. And they do see it as as, as a conflict. They see Muslims as the enemy. And um, that have to be resisted, um, they, they are concerned about the spread of Islam as if it somehow threatens what they perceive to be a European identity, and this is where the the word identity identitarianism comes from. Their idea is that you know Europe has an identity which is essentially white and Christian, and that this is threatened by the the arrival of of, of non-christians and and people who who happen to have a, a different religious faith. you know
2: France is a relatively diverse place by Western European standards. About 12% of the population is non-white, about 5% of the population is Muslim. Uh, And most of these people, you know, they came a long time ago. Parents or grandparents did, you know, from former colonies like Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria. But France seems to have this really uneasy relationship with its own diversity. And in recent years, we've seen a series of ISIL-inspired attacks across France so
1: how has that impacted or influenced the far right um france has has suffered i mean as as have other european countries you know we had bataclan we had nice um you know the charlie Hebdo uh, attacks and and of course this is very fertile territory for the far right because this this sort of plays into their hands in a sense because they can then conflate those people with all muslims and and any and the whole islamic world which is which is a, You know, objectively, it's quite an insane proposition, but they do this. And terrorist attacks make people afraid. And they make people afraid of those who are different and have different values. And the far right panders to this and and whips this up.
2: Okay, I I want to play another piece of Louis' hidden camera tape. Uh, He's in the Citadel bar and he's face to face with Remy, the guy who punched the young woman in the street. And he's saying some pretty disturbing stuff.
0: Mais le jour où je sais que j'ai une maladie incurable, mec, je m'achète
1: une arme. Yeah, what he's saying here is, is that he he's expressing a desire to get a car and drive it into a to, to drive it into a mosque, or he names a, a market that he knows which is popular with Muslims.
0: Même voiture bélier, je prends ma
2: voiture.
1: Bam, and he says that you know if he had a terminal illness and he knew he didn't have long to live, that's what he would do. He would get into the car and drive it and ram it into a into a mosque, trying to basically carry out killing people indiscriminately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and he says if he survived and the police didn't kill him, then he'd get up he'd do it again. <laughs> this sounds like an isis-inspired attack well it's extraordinary because here are people saying that um, often conflating muslims with 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 terrorists i mean somehow suggesting that that you know all muslims are dangerous because they're all potential terrorists i mean a ludicrous notion um but you know his solution to these so-called terrorists is to carry out an act of terrorism it it just seems that just shows the kind of that's the sort of logic that they espouse
2: I mean, you've seen hours and hours of this tape, um, hours of footage of Remy. How much is this a bunch of guys sitting around in a bar having drinks, saying a bunch of crazy stuff? Or how much is this actually something he believes in
1: and could potentially do? I mean, you're quite right in the sense that guys sitting around at the bar may well be bragging a little bit and exaggerating a little bit. But don't forget, it's the same guy we've just seen insult and punch, uh, deliver punches to the head of a a teenage girl. The the man is clearly, clearly um, has a penchant predilection for violence. That's absolutely clear.
2: What's interesting, though, having watched um, your film, is that as an organization, the GI appears to try to, hide its more extreme elements and its more extreme behavior from the wider public. Uh, They seem very aware that they need to keep their public image sort of clean, for lack of a better word. So uh, no photos in the bar, for instance. Um, The leadership seems to be saying that they want to get rid of people, you know, who are violent or, you know, who have to do Nazi salutes in the
1: streets. But do you think that's true? There's a lot of evidence in the film that they talk violent and they act violent. But they are very, very concerned about their public image. They give themselves a veneer of respectability. But that's that's all it is. I mean, the leader of the GI branch in Lille has a string of convictions for violence.
2: So uh, Louis spends more time with
1: Generation Identity and its boss in Lille. Uh,
2: who does he meet and what does he tell him?
1: He meets, uh, he meets lots of people. But the key figure that he meets is a fellow called Aurelien Verhassel. He is the leader of the Generation Identity group in in Leal, and he runs the bar called the Citadel, which is the hub where they where they all meet. Generation Identity has all their meetings to discuss political strategy and drink and make sort of racial remarks and tell exchange tales of violence against uh, Muslims and um, so but AV is as as they call him Aurelian Vassal is key figure in all of this because he not only leads that group there but he also it is claimed and he claims to have very strong links with the NF it's even claimed that he helps to recruit people from generation generation identity to work for uh, the National Front group in a regional council there's a scene from the documentary that really shows Aurelian's
2: strategy of dressing up the group's far-right beliefs in acceptable clothing, so to speak, and I want to play that tape. So in this scene, Aurelian is meeting with these far-right militia members who've paid a visit to the Citadel bar, and he's telling them, look, anybody can do the Nazi salute in the street, but that doesn't get you power. He says, they want to make gestures. We want power. We adapt ourselves. We don't betray ourselves. The goal is to win. We must be hard in the content, but flexible in the form. We use the internet, modern systems of communication, while holding on to the
1: ideas we've always had. It's, it's absolutely clear that this is not simply a group of thugs. I mean, they are, we've seen, they use violence, they are racist. But what he's, uh, what he's uh, talking about there is a political strategy. And it's a strategy that involves doing whatever is necessary to get power. We don't betray ourselves. They will adapt and do whatever it takes to, 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 to gain influence and get the national front into power. But they—they're not a political party. What he—he he says, <clears throat> he says that they are—they're there to influence. They want their ideas to be to be pushed out there. But what you see is a very carefully calculated strategy there. This is not just a bunch of of far right thugs who are sort of you know shooting off from the mouth. Uh, there is some hard political thinking going on here as well. He describes uh, Generation Identity as a modern form of fascism.
2: Wow, a modern form of fascism.
1: Yeah, that's the phrase he uses. And he says that they use all sort of modern technology, modern forms of communication to get their message out there. So there's, there's a, a cold, clear strategy here.
2: In the film, uh, you show some connections between the G.I. group in Lille and the National Front Party. Like we said, Aurelian and some other G.I. members say they work for the party in various official capacities. And then later, you actually film National Front members in the bar talking about arming themselves for civil war, uh, agreeing and sympathizing with the G.I., even saying Marine Le Pen won't let us say this stuff. So is there any public-facing, sort of official ties between
1: these two groups, or is it all very quiet and very behind closed doors? It is essentially behind closed doors Um, and particularly given Marine Le Pen's efforts to to, to, to polish the image of her party. She does not want to be linked with people with with extremist views. She's trying to get votes from people who have never voted for the National Front before but are so disenchanted with the socialists, with with Macron, that that she wants to attract them. She said at the last Congress, they're, they're trying to, they're aiming to get into power. And they know that they can't get into power if they haven't got the, the more centrist voters. The problem is that within the National Front, there are lots of people who are very, very identitarian. On the right of the party, they're very close. We, we see it in our film, they're very close to the people like, the people organizations like Generation Identity. Do you have a thought on,
2: on why young French people are so inclined to support these groups?
1: I, I think in part it's because they are whipped up by the far right. But I, I do think there are also some issues that, should, that do need to be addressed. I mean, governments can't be complacent about this. If so many people are concerned about levels of immigration, for example, then they need to explain. They need to address these issues and, and be a bit more open about it and, you know, talk to these people and discuss these problems. They basically, they have to listen and explain more.
2: You've taken your investigation's findings, which is this connection between the National Front uh, and the GI, to the National Front, to Marine Le Pen. What did she say to you?
1: Well, Marine Le Pen says that she has made great efforts to kick out all people who've been racist or violent. That was part of her response. She also said that uh, Verhassel has never um, written speeches or worked for in any way for for the National Front. Uh, So, yeah. So, essentially, she's saying she doesn't. This person has nothing to do with the National Front. But our evidence would suggest otherwise.
2: What's your thoughts on what this all means for France? It's going through some very challenging times. We now have the extreme far right gaining influence or at least trying to gain influence what do you think this
1: means for the future of france it's a very difficult thing for france they 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 have got this big big um, immigrant population and you you sort of feel that france hasn't coped with it very very well you know you see in paris uh, the immigrants pushed out to the suburbs and every now and again the tinderbox kind of explodes and then it's quashed and then it's allowed to build up again. And I think they've just got to do so much more in terms of integration um, and just doing more to counter these right-wing groups, these far-right groups, who are actually whipping up hatred. David, thank you. Thank you.
0: After the two-part film Generation Hate aired on Al Jazeera, France opened its own investigation into Generation Identity. Several members of the group were arrested, including Remy Feliz, the guy who punched an Arab woman in the street. Marine Le Pen's far-right national rally party hasn't suffered much for being associated with the group. The identitarian movement in Europe has come under more scrutiny recently. We mentioned at the top of the show that Germany is treating them as an extremist group. And a handful of French members are probably heading to jail for blocking a roadway as part of an anti-immigrant protest. But they've hardly gone away. And they're still attracting supporters. In New Zealand. After a white supremacist killed 50 people in shootings at mosques in March, investigators found he had donated thousands of dollars to two identitarian groups in Europe, including Generation Identity. That's it for The Take. This episode was produced by Morgan Waters, Kiana Mogadam, MTS Taib, Jasmine Bayumi, and Amy Walters. The sound designer was Meredith Hadanat, Al Jazeera's head of audio is Grayland Brashear. Special thanks to David Harrison, Phil Reese, and the rest of the Al Jazeera investigative unit. You can find their two-part film, Generation Hate, on aljazeera.com. I'm Malika Bilal. and We'll be back next week.